Hello, and welcome to Nitty Gritty, the podcast that celebrates the many and any which ways of finding and growing a creative practice. I'm your host, artist and painter Kate Florence, and I will be chatting with emerging artists and creatives all around Australia about the ups and downs of creative living, what they've learned from their struggles, and celebrating the importance of sharing our stories honestly. Together, we are stronger. Welcome. So let's like just kick off with a little bit about you and your art journey. Like where has it come from? Like how many years have you been in the game? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, tell me a little bit. Okay. So golly, been full time now going on my sixth year. Yeah. Which is cute. Love that. But I studied at art school, went to College of Fine Arts, COFA in Sydney, Graduated in 2014, but I did a design degree. I actually didn't do art. So I would say that I'm a self-taught painter, mm-hmm. an artist. Yeah. Even since being like a little kid, I remember being in preschool and just like spending like probably like half an hour painting this little artwork of me and my family outside of our house. And like, I think that was my first actual young, like earliest memory of feeling, I think the feeling was pride of what I produced. And I remember looking at the painting and saying out loud, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up. And like, that's still a very vivid memory for me, which I still hold on to very dearly. But, um, look, to be honest, like me becoming the artist that I am today, I would have to kind of, I would be wrong not to, to pay homage to my mom. You know, she was a painter. Um, she passed away when I was 19, but she was like, uh, she was a still life oil painter. So she mm-hmm. produced her own little still life settings, like doing floristry and everything. And then she, I would just spend so much time watching her paint. Uh, but when she passed away, I just like couldn't really find myself to to paint for a long time. And I guess that's why I went and did a design degree at Kofa. You know, thought I was trying to find my own voice through that channel. And when I when I graduated, I actually found myself at starting my own design studio, producing artisanal leather goods. Also on top of like, you know, working full time and as a retail manager for like. Well over 16 years, do you know what I mean? You just folded yeah. shirts, doing that thing, making ends meet, paying the rent. Yeah. But like, I knew that I was more than just that too. So I had my own side hustle, which was producing artisanal leather goods. I thought that, that was what, what my, my calling was. Or that, yeah. But like, that was like the additional, like, I wasn't just someone that worked in retail, you know? Like, yeah. You always had, had a creative. Totally. Yeah. And I had a, I had been given an opportunity in Sydney to do a campaign launch with my, my design studio, I thought, yeah, like this is a perfect opportunity for me to actually listen to that voice, which has been telling me that I wanted to paint. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared to. And like, I thought that I would complement my campaign launch uh, with a small series of paintings, mm. but I had no idea what I was going to paint. You know what I mean? Because I hadn't for well over six years or something. So this was when I was in my mid twenties at this point. And um, it was like two weeks out from the campaign launch and like I hadn't painted nothing. And it was like getting more and more like the calling and desire to paint was actually like overwhelming. Like it was actually crazy how much I couldn't stop thinking about the urge to paint. But like the narrative that I had was it was so debilitating. It was like that classic narrative of what's the point of painting when it's not going to be good enough for her. Mm. And by her, I mean my mom, right? I kind of prescribed this narrative for a long time where I was like, there's no point in painting because it's not going to be good enough for her. or It's not going to be good enough for you. But, like, that's not not true. Yeah. And, like, so I was two weeks out from this campaign launch and I just remember my mum's voice just, like, coming behind my neck. 
one morning and she was like, Marissa, today's the day you try. And I just like kind of was like, you know, you know, when you have this all consuming feeling kind of envelope you and you just check yourself in terms of like, this is beyond what I actually understand. Like, I know I need to do this. Mm -hmm. It's like ridiculous. Some people probably wouldn't understand like that, that push pull when it comes to creating, but like, I really felt resist to painting despite how much I wanted to. But obviously suddenly I had this like angel on my shoulder that said, you can do it. Today's the day. And I set up my old, my mom's old oil paints in the backyard. And I just started painting. Like I was shaking and I just started painting liberated naked women dancing. And I just burst into tears and I was like crying and laughing at the same time. Because <laughs> I guess like I realized in that moment, it wasn't what I was painting. It was the fact that I was painting. Yeah. I painted like a series of like liberated femme figures dancing naked you know um for my campaign launch like and they were sold that night and I just had to take a bit of a step back being like that was like such a personal thing that I did for myself yeah it had nothing to do with anyone else but my sense of like healing or, like honoring self you know but I just I had to sit with that you know because I had my side hustle that I thought that I was investing all this energy and money into but I was like barely breaking even you mm-hmm. know and I was still working a full-time gig to like make that work yeah but suddenly my painting and my art was speaking volumes, something that I couldn't quite grapple with initially. But I guess like the organic traction just kept happening over that year. And I actually quit my job and consolidated my science studio a year later and been a full-time painter since. Wow. So is yeah. that how like your, um, your style was born? Like Absolutely. obviously you for many years yeah. have done like the, like femme figures yeah and yeah yeah so yeah. you started exactly at that point, which that is so moment. interesting yeah and a lot of people drew... don't know that yeah. yeah and I guess it's just like you know I laugh now when thinking about like of course that was maybe what I felt this instinctive calling to paint was I'm a queer person that also is an exhibitionist like of yeah. course maybe my 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 innate sort of calling felt very comfortable to celebrate femme yeah. You know, or like to be body liberated, but to show that in like a way that wasn't necessarily sexualizing the female form, but uh-huh. celebrating the form. Yeah. Um, so that, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I've been painting them full time for five years, but it's been interesting to see what I've been grappling with. Even that, you know what yeah. I mean? Like when you catch yourself, like producing work that is very honest to you, but it has become something that is like, I guess I want to say, commodified or commercialized like mm-hmm. it's like you i'm going for income. a specific style yeah um which is a, a blessing and a curse you know it's just like i i'm so grateful because i would not have I, i've shown in new york i've traveled around australia i've traveled all around the world because of my art yeah but like i guess i need to sit and sit with as well the uncomfortability that comes with growth yeah and i think that for me i'm at hitting a point now where I want to kind of redirect my energies and my my practice into a different direction. So it's it's been cool to explore different things. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like that's the eternal struggle of so many artists, isn't it? Like you, especially when you start making money from a certain type of totally. work and you're starting your practice and, you know, you are just embracing a certain style. And I definitely grapple with that as well of like, mm. you know, I want to try this, but like, you, it's more it's more just like stories in your head as well isn't it like you oh, think totally. like oh people won't know that that's my work or like that's not my style or yeah it's such a it's such an internal process because totally. you're like 
you want to explore so many ways of working, but then there's something yeah. in your head that's like, oh no, but I have to be consistent to like my style. Absolutely. Which is, but yeah. then if you really looked at the broad scheme of things, like all the really prolific artists of our times and everything, yeah, they explored so many different Ooh. styles, mm-hmm. so many different eras in their entire practice, but they had that one thing that maybe we just like all recognize them for but that doesn't mean that they couldn't do realistic that doesn't mean that they could do portraiture that doesn't mean that they could do abstract it was just kind of sitting with like this whole scope of just like no it's putting a gun to your head telling you that you can't do something different and see how that makes you feel so it's just like now right now trying to be a bit more explorative and intuitive with what feels right and if it doesn't feel right then it's okay yeah definitely yeah, and it is, it is such a journey. And you are right. Like you look at so many prolific artists and they can draw in so many ways or create in so many so ways. And it's ways. like, okay, why am I getting fixated on this one style? Yeah, we're literally pigeonholing ourselves yeah. into fitting into a certain narrative when that's not the paradigm as artists. That's not, that's not the framework. Do you know what I mean? No, not at it's all. It's literally like a self-prescribed paradigm that we've put on it, onto ourselves and like, that's not healthy and it's not sustainable. And I think that then you get to a point where we probably have been in previous experiences like me right now, where it's like, I'm actually feeling so relieved that I'm actually walking the talk. Yeah. You know, I'm actually rather than like constantly festering over this idea and like, Oh, maybe I should try this out or maybe I should like pursue something different. And you say that for like a year, but you're still like beating yourself up doing the no, your known bodies of work. Yeah. It's like you've got one foot out the door, right? And you're so close to getting out that door because you're just like, what's holding you back? You're holding yourself back, you know? But it's like been really cool to see that in the past like three or so months, I've sat with this whole thing of being like, what's the worst case that's going to happen, Marissa? What is the absolute worst thing that's going to happen? Good on you that you've been able to cultivate such a strong brand. Yeah. Rooted within your whole entity, right? But now you're going to try and do something different. That's exciting. Mm. Not space for that. Yeah. And a lot of people would be encouraging and supportive of that. No one would be making you feel like other, do you know? Yeah. It's taking risk, isn't it? I feel like mm. risk is something that's so important within creative process, but it is so hard because you're like, yeah. you know, but that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Like, you know, what is the worst case scenario? And I often do that too, mm. because it, it really, it really like puts into perspective that like the worst case scenario, like, isn't that bad. You no, know? you're it's like, really not. In your head, you you like catastrophize, and then Absolutely. when you actually like put it in paper, you're like, oh, cool. The worst case scenario is like this doesn't sell, and who cares? That's like literally <laughs> the worst case scenario. I was like, oh, I just spent like a week, like literally trying to get the right shade of whatever it is yeah. in this particular sculpture, and it's just like no one is out out there questioning where the next brushstroke should go. But yeah. it's like it's, I, and I think that's the artist's way. To, you know, like, of course, we are so critical of our practice. We want to put our best out there. Mm. So I guess, like, you know, it would be a really conflicting narrative. Just like, cool, so what's what's it going to be, you know? And I think that pressure that we put ourselves is immense. Yeah. Really high. It is. And it is just also hard, isn't it, with, like, being creative and then also it being your income. There is a certain level of pressure that comes with that because obviously you like I try my best to like you know flow with the ebbs and flows of like downtime where you don't make any money for a number of weeks or months it's like a process of trust but it's also so challenging it is so challenging and something that I always catch myself being like 
I like almost always get to a point of like hitting that red line so hard in my like bank accounts. And I'm just like, oh man, like, you know, but then it's like maybe the ego where it's just like, I can't quite like be outwardly as like, hey guys, got this new body of work. Would love for you guys to like cop it, you know, and check it out. But it's just like, it takes a certain level of like, in a sense of confidence to want to outwardly do that too. Cause if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it, but then like you're needing to get a sense of income, but it's always interesting once you sit with that uncomfortability for like a few days, say, and then you get that sense of clarity come through where you're just like, yeah, but this is also business. Mm. It's also a job. Okay. I'll give you this example. I was in New York. It cost me an arm and a leg to get there. Sending the artworks to the States is also a high cost. Then realizing that my large artworks weren't going to arrive because of customs and all that sort of stuff, which was incredibly painful. And we later realized that it was probably, it was mainly because they saw that they were commercial goods and that I wasn't going to pay my taxes. And that's okay. And I remember someone once telling me, Marissa, America is the one place where they'll let you get away with killing someone, but they won't let you get away with not paying your taxes. And so I was like, <laughs> so to be honest, I'm an artist. I'm trying to figure out my stuff, right? Long story short, we had so many things that went wrong in this trip and I had to show up bumping my artworks in and knowing that my big pieces weren't going to be shown and I had to set up my tiny seven artworks that I had stuffed in my suitcase and try to put my brave face on, you know, just acknowledging and sitting and grappling with the fact that I thought about this show for six plus months and suddenly I'm in this city the artwork that I wanted to show is not here, but I'm here. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? And I was like, well, you're going to put your best foot forward and you're going to do your damn best connecting with people that connect with your art. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that I met some incredible people that were just instantly drawn to my pieces and were having incredible conversations. And, um, all the whilst like, you know, at back in Melbourne, like we're on the brink of like being evicted. Like we needed a house and like, navigating the whole rental crisis and stuff in this in here it was a problem and I was like how am I going to come up with like the the money for bond and rent whilst continuing on funding this trip when and you've obviously just put so much money into going to New York yeah and like I already had essentially when those the artworks weren't coming that essentially honestly Kate was like see you later 30 grand like that was gone basically you know and so sitting with that and then I met this incredible couple gay couple that we just talking to me about how they wanted to get a large artwork of mine. And I was like, not trying to keep my hopes up too high, but I also genuinely was like, oh my God, so, so, so grateful. But they were like saying how big they wanted it. And I was telling them that my works were stuck in customs and I didn't think that this was going to work. Or like, you know, if they could potentially wait when I went back to Australia and I could do a commission and they were like, oh no, we want, we want, we want really big. And I was like, that sounds really cute. You know, I've got... <laughs> I've got an artwork available online. It's in a gallery in Melbourne. Um, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, they were like, because they go by different like metric or whatever it is, they oh, couldn't yeah. quite grapple. That's the measurements. And they were just like, I was like, listen, if you don't necessarily want this piece that's available in this gallery in Melbourne, I'm more than happy to pay you a commission when I'm back in Australia. Mm-hmm. Take my details. Let's talk. And then like, I don't know. Not even an hour later or something, I got an email in my inbox from them saying how much they loved my work. And then they did the converting of the, the the measurements and stuff. And they really thought about it. And they wanted to actually acquire that artwork that was in a Melbourne gallery. And wow. I was like, this is 
amazing sitting with that because that was like a 10 grand piece and yeah. then I was like okay let me just coordinate that with the gallery in Melbourne mind you I'm feeling so isolated and alone in New York right yeah. just feeling like and at this point you still so don't many, have the other artworks yeah, so many, yeah so many emotions of just feeling like what is going on here you know like I'm just doing my best and you're on your own yeah and and I really kind of sat with this whole thing that I always come to which is having grit you know and being resilient and I really challenge channel that as much as I can but I'm like back in my Airbnb in Brooklyn and I and I emailed the gallery letting them know that this is what's happened and that they'll be curious to pick up the artwork blah blah and I don't know what, and maybe it was my mom, it was the universe. I had an angel in my corner because that gallerist got back to me and told me, Marissa, congratulations. The thing that is so crazy is that we actually had a collector come into the gallery this morning wanting to buy that exact piece. Do you have another artwork in this size? And I'm just like literally what like fuck? sitting with this like, I'm so like shocked and grateful and just eternally like, mom, is this you doing this? Like, mm. you know, teaching me some real lessons about like showing up for myself, backing myself and trusting the universe. Because then like I responded back to her saying, I do have another artwork, but it's not published anywhere. Here it is. And within 15 minutes, like she responded being like sold. So I, I literally went from zero to a hundred and made like, 20 grand in a, in less than a day. Yeah. And you had gone from a place of like, you know, investing so much money. Okay. If you'd there. seen the way that I was when I found out that my artworks weren't going to make it in time, I was like, meltdown, full blown meltdown. Oh, and I babe, was all I would alone. Be yeah. Like I genuinely was just like bawling my eyes out and just being like, like inconsolable. Like, but also cause I was so alone. It was one of those weird moments where I was just like, once you have your cry, you know, when like people will like comfort you and you kind of feed into it and you're like, yeah, I, I want to be loved. And yeah, yeah. But like, I had big. no one to do that for myself, for me, but myself. So I just sat with that and just be like, you've been wanting to be back in the city for so long and you are now. Like, what are you going to do? The universe showed up for me. So, yeah, it is, that is crazy. And that is such a good example of, you know, actually, if you, if you are your biggest fan and you are your biggest, like, believer and you trust in the process the process always shows up yeah in one way or another I've had multiple times the exact same thing where you're like fuck I have no money I've like I'm hitting the bottom of my account I don't know how I'm going to pay for rent this week like what am I going to do and then ding your phone pings and like you solve something yeah Yeah. and you're just like wow I could have gone and got another job I could have been like oh I have to go and work in a cafe now like but if you are okay with that feeling of like I have no idea what I'm gonna do I feel like if you sit with that you're always showed by by the art like yeah don't give up yeah it's like you have to trust and it's like it really is like and that was literally within one day Mm. okay so you just totally don't know what's gonna happen yeah even in, in a week or two you know and it's like it's almost laughable where I'm like now like grappling with the thing. Well, I'm, I'm moving actually to New York mid I don't know if I told you Oh that. my God, no. Yeah, so like, <laughs> you not yeah. yeah, so I'm actually moving there. Um, Permanently? Like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, doing the thing. Doing the thing. Oh my and God, it's that's like, amazing. Yeah, feeling really good about it. I feel like I've, like Melbourne has been such an incredible city to me and I've been here for like, yeah, five. God, it's like, yes. I'm just crazy. Um, I mean, like, two and a half of that was, I guess, like, virtually in COVID, but it was just, like, one of those things where I'm just, like, even during that period, you know, 
this city has given me so much, but I feel like I've hit almost like a bit of a glass ceiling for myself personally. Yeah. Where I would like to, I'm like, you know, being 32 now, I'm just like, okay, you know, like me and my partner, very serious. It's like not a joke. Like I would love to be a mum one day, like would love to do all the things, but I guess like, I don't want to use the word selfish. I just know I need to do things for myself right now. Yeah. So I know in the future it's going to be like I'll be able to look back and be like, I chased my dreams, I gave myself the best shot possible, and I actually feel ready for it. And I actually feel really ready to make a big life change. And it's not just like uprooting, doing understate, like you would know, just like, but like actually going to a foreign place and and fully starting fresh. And I feel like I'm at a point where I'm scared, but not scared enough to not give it my best shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the life of an artist is one that is a constant journey of taking risk and trusting that it will pay off. It wouldn't be if we didn't take a big risk. No. Then. So like how however long it's been since we've been, how long have you been full-time? Like eight years? Like, uh, no, no, I haven't been full-time that long at all. You've been full-time longer than me. I've only been full-time for like two and a half years, three You're years. You're joking. Yeah, I worked like, when we met, I was working. You were at Archie's? Yeah, I was working for society like four, like four days a week. Because I was like having to fund a lot of, like I was doing a lot of work. So I was like needing the money. And also I was just in this place of like not 100% trusting that I could make a living just from my work. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Like since I've taken that leap into trusting I can make money full time. And sometimes I go like three months without making money and that's fine. But that scared me in the past. And I didn't feel like I was being told by my friends, like, you know, like if you take the leap, you'll put more time and energy into the work and you will make more money. But I kept hearing and kept hearing and be like, yeah, I just like, I don't, I don't believe that, you know? Mm. And then, yeah, like once I did a show and it did really well, then I just had like a lump sum of money that I was like, okay, yeah, I guess it's been since 2021. I've been pretty much um, full time, but yeah, I, I worked a long time, like five or six years straight in hospitality, making coffee. Make it, yeah, making it make, like you just, yeah. just kind of do what you're doing. But I feel like that's important to go through as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? definitely. Like even with me being in retail for as long as I, I, I was, I was like that gave me like I guess the people skills that were essential when it came to like. Yeah. gatherings or like various things talking to people one after the other mm-hmm. and having that sort of stamina to be able to maintain that presence with people because I know that a lot of creatives it's not in us like I paint a lot of time in solitude yeah you know I spend a lot of time by myself and I really value alone time and I'm very comfortable being alone but like I think coming off the bat of working retail for as long as I did I wasn't afraid to ever talk to anyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a good tool, I think, as well. Like, because you are essentially running a business and a lot of that is people uh, engaging with people, connecting with people and then, you know, meeting someone. And yeah, like you said in New York, you know, like meeting people and just connecting with them straight away. And then, you know, they want to buy your work because they connect with you as a person. 100%. I remember when we used to do the art fairs and we'd always, that's where I think like, we first met, no? Yeah. And we'd always get put back to back. Yeah. <laughs> we did a few. And I was, I remember the first time when I saw you, I was like, damn, this bitch is cool. And I was yeah, like, well, that, that's afraid to speak to you. Toilets, and I was so oh, yeah, you were furious. I'm Fair enough. So no one wants Still to be next to well, Yeah. I had to sit with that. I had yeah. to sit with that. Because I was like, it doesn't matter. And in commercial settings, necessarily where you are, like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, are you like, are you being present? Are you, are you being engaging? 
Um, yeah, you're making the best of a situation, even if it's not ideal yeah. for you. And, and that's something you've always done. And I admire that in you. Thank you, babe. I think also because I was like, it was my first year being a full-time artist. Yeah. So my attitude was, I was hungry. Yeah. Like I was like, I like was like, you know, that saying where it's like, you're a bull at the gate. Like I was like a bull at the gate when I decided to leave the nine to five sort of retail management gig and just see how I'd go if I was to be a full time artist. And my attitude was, I'm never turning back. Mm. I'm just to go all in. Mm. So I did. Amazing. And so when you sold your first, you know, like you said about you selling your first few pieces at the like opening event that you did, what was the process after that? Like when you were like, okay, I'm now going to paint and like, what was the journey in terms of like sales and how did you approach like valuing your work? Cause oh that's gosh. like obviously the yeah. never ending. Yeah. Struggle. I'm always so open to talking about it, especially uh, with fems and um, BIPOC people. Queer folk because yeah. valuing yourself is already a hard thing to do because we have never been allowed to be, we've never been asked, let alone heard or given what we deserve, we wanted, right? But I feel like for me, I was always looking at what other artists in similar levels were um, to me in terms of like whether they're emerging or middle and what the context was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like the pricing of my work, I haven't necessarily increased them I, as much as. Some people probably would have expected considering that I've been full-time for five years. But mm-hmm. I think it's like, I'd rather be selling my pieces. This is me, honestly speaking. I'd rather be selling my pieces at a price point that I believe is fair. Yeah. I never want to be like outrageous. Yeah. But also like you have to take things into consideration, like your custom framing, your materials. How much time did it take for you to produce this work? Not that I pay myself an alley rate. That's not the thing. No. I work like literally 16 hour days and I don't get paid. Like it's like, yeah, that's yeah. just what you do when yeah. you, this is my life. Like, you know, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like work. Really. It, it does sometimes, but most of the time I'm just like, I would be happy to work 10 hours mindlessly figuring out what the F I'm painting. Yeah. Or what the next concept is that the framework that I'm going to do. Then be, you know, I guess going back to doing what I was doing for 16 years, which was folding garments that actually didn't really align with me. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I, I've, I've, I've done, I feel like I've done that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of valuing my work, it's like, I remember I had a gallerist tell me once, um, where he said, if you haven't put your prices up within a year or two, you have every right to put them up by 20%. And I was like, I think that's an interesting uh, suggestion. Mm. I feel like it depends on what your accolades are like as well. Like, have you gotten a prestigious award or are you accruing those awards or are you just like, you just feel like they're worth more. And then I feel like that that's a very subjective personal thing. But with my prices, they've been, I think they're very fair. Yeah. Very fair. And, but it's been interesting pricing now my, my abstract works because yes. they're a different language. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're a different, completely different body of work. But then like looking at sizes and stuff like that and also the mediums is always like a good way to kind of start with like a base level. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's a very particular and specific conversation to have depending on what your body of work is. Yeah. Because I've also seen some incredible artists undervalue their work so deeply and it is shocking. Yeah. And then even to, uh, suggesting like to accrue it up like an extra $200 or like another 10% is unfathomable for them because they're like, yeah, but I haven't even sold a piece. Yeah. And so then you have to sit with that too. It's like, well, what works? And it's like, I know I've got my bread and butter and I know it works. Mm. But it's like, I have 
I, and with that bread and butter, I will say I have increased them like over like the last few years, but not by much. If it's mainly to, to allow for things like now that I'm like registered for GST and for my framing costs. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And costs of things are going up. So like you're paying more. Yeah. Just, so then I think it's totally warranted, but I think like a lot of us are super afraid to charge more, but I'm like, I'm very wary of ever charging an extortion price. So why I mean? is that though? I just don't think that my, I, I just don't think that's fair because I believe in accessibility. You know, it's like saying people, not everyone can just throw out full ground and get an original, but that I do have limited edition prints that are really large scale and they're like $1,800. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. And it is hard with pricing, yeah. isn't it? Because you're essentially putting a price on yourself in a way. It's like totally. so, so intertwined with what do I think I'm worth totally. in a way? I believe I know what I'm worth. But then it's interesting when you start working with commercial galleries because then they take 50%. Yeah. So you have to sit with that. So normally if you were selling a piece for six grand, three grand is what you get. And you, you yeah. put in the hours in that. And, then, and you're paying for the materials, like the cost And the out. logistics. Yeah. But then you wouldn't have even made that three grand, maybe, if the gallery didn't sell it. Yeah. And that's something that you have to grapple with because they're like a lot of artists who want to be represented by commercial galleries. And I was that artist at one point. But it's like sit with why. Yeah, you know what I mean, because then like, there's sometimes exclusivity agreements, and then you can't do certain things. You are then censored. There's so many things, but like when it comes to um, commercial galleries, too, I have been, I've had a taste of it. It doesn't necessarily align with me right now. Why doesn't it align with you? I think that it has to be a particular gallery that aligns with me. It can't yeah. just be any gallery. Yeah. Uh, especially with my body of work that I'm wanting to explore, I definitely want it to be a gallery that aligns with my values. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not here to be a token. Mm-hmm. I want it to be already like a diverse gallery that has a strong repertoire of diverse uh, artists. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, I think yeah. That, that is such an important point because I think the further, like, the further you get into a creative practice, the more you sort of like trust what you're doing and that you can then, you trust that you can only want to work with people that you like truly align with was I feel like maybe at the start of a journey or when you're tempted by you know working with anyone it's just like nice to be like oh cool like this gallery wants to work with me and you're not really putting so much thought into like but do I align with that gallery do I like who they represent do I like the way they show up on Instagram or on their website all this stuff and I'm definitely going through that now because I'm like for years and years you know I wanted I wanted to work with galleries and I wanted to do this. And then it is just such a, it's such a journey. Like you work with galleries and some of them have been great. And some yeah. of them, it's been quite a difficult experience. Totally. You also have to swallow the fact that you are then paid half of what you, what you would have sold the piece for without the gallery. Totally. Totally. And I think it's like a give and take sort of thing. Cause it's like, I work with some exceptional galleries that they wholeheartedly support, support me. They fully align with me and not tethered to yeah. You know, which is like working for me, mm. but it is scary where then you hear about the galleries that then don't support or align with your values. And I guess like you think about any artist, whether you're commercial or you're not, when you start doing particular jobs, whether you're working with a campaign or you're doing like an artwork for like a company, it's like, you know, what are the, what are the legalities around that? You yeah. know, what are the terms around that? Is it still your artwork or do they own that artwork? And it's the fee that you're charging them. Is that does that account for that? Mm. And there's all these sort of things that are, that are part of it. Yeah. But um, I've learned from my personal experience working with bigger brands doesn't really align with me. Yeah. You know. Is that because of like 
what what is the reason because of that? My experiences with, which I will say, one of them was Bonds Australia, is because they don't value young artists. Mm. They say that they do, but they don't. Because if they did, that they would pay you right. Yeah, right. And I think that from my experience, they were just doing that so they could just get some clout. And I just don't think that that's a valid enough reason to take advantage of young emerging artists. Um, Especially as such a big brand. You're like, I know this brand is so big and you're clearly making loads of money that you're choosing to then like not to value me by totally. paying me enough. Totally. Yeah. And, then, and then and that that being that whole thing as well, that whole shtick. Like, you yeah. know, because like, I am a community-oriented creative and I, I stand by that. But like there's been times where I have like done so many community projects for free because yeah. it fully aligned with me. Mm-hmm. Also generous with my time and my energy and whatever it is that I had to do for this scope of work because it fully aligned with me and it filled my cup. Yeah. And, I and my, it's not about the money. It's, it's not about the like, money. Yeah. So it's like, I guess it's just like having an idea of like, what are the tiers for you in terms of like, you know, how far are you willing to go for like a community oriented project or say in this moment in your career, you do want to just get that back. You want to make that money. Well, then it's like, well, but shows you have you got lined up to, yeah. to work towards that and you understand like maybe potentially what the sales might be looking like from that because then like some commercial galleries can be having incredible names but then not sell your work yeah like, you committed six months of your life and work. thousands of dollars none of it sold yeah so it's just like I, I guess my thing would be like protect your neck like have you got a backup you know what I mean like it's just like so many options and avenues for us as artists to make money um, and I guess like the main way is through art, art by selling it, but it's just like, have you got different pockets and avenues so for people to always be exposed to art? Mm, which I guess comes more down to like business skills, like thinking in a more like analytical way and being like, okay, mm. so, you know, what's my additional ideas behind this? Like if for some reason, like the work doesn't sell or... Yeah. I remember I bumped into you like a year and a half ago, just after like the day after my ex- exhibition opened in Melbourne and I yeah. was like going on a solo walk. I was really sad because like oh, I only sold one piece. That, that gallery in the city. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but then was, you went on to sell out at like St. Cloche in Paddington. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I remember just, you were just literally like my angel. You just arrived <laughs> in the street and I was like, oh my God, really so what the fuck? Like, hi. And I was like playing a sad song in my headphones, like walking along, like I have failed and like I've invested so much money in this and like nothing Wait, how long sold. Was that? 2022. Yeah. Yeah. September 2022. So yeah, it was, was a year and a half ago. I know. Babe, time you have just like exponential growth. Oh, and that's been the whole time I've been full time. Like, definitely poured way more time and energy into my work, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, just I guess evolved from that. But I just remember you telling me like, and I kind of wish I thought about that. I I didn't have a backup plan, and so I was like, put all this money into this show. I just you know prayed that it would sell, and eventually it did sell. But yeah. it's just such a, a journey of like, okay, it's been open for a week. The, the opening was last night like it kind of didn't go as well as I wanted and yeah. that's just like part of the journey you just have to swallow these things that like hurt your pride they hurt your ego yeah. they hurt your bank account yeah. and somehow you just have to like hold on me like I'm just gonna hope they sell yeah. but I just remember seeing you and you were like dude like there's so much there's so much around a show you know like 
the yeah. venue, the location, yeah. this or that. You were like, it will sell. Yeah. Just like trust it. And yeah. I was just like so happy to have to have just bumped into you because you're just like this little like angel that told me exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that like there's what because like even now in my studio, like I'm sitting on like easy probably 80k worth of art that's like like wow. that's ready to go yeah right but like you mean in terms of like sales eight yeah. grand's worth like, of, not, yeah yeah, yeah. not like, like my same figures like a hundred percent because it's like like last year i was like you know doing that thing where you're like i am a i'm a machine you know right. and you're in you so you're stuck in the same yeah, stuff yeah yeah which was like really conflicting internally for me but i was putting myself there yeah but like I had some incredible shows and some not so incredible shows and like I've got some beautiful pieces that are still available from those shows. Mm-hmm. But my attitude is it's okay because I've got six shows in the next six months. I know that there'll be a point where someone will see it and connect and resonate with it mm-hmm. and you'll find it's forever home. That means that I won't have to produce so much work that is like, you know, the work that I'm trying to step away from. And I can refocus more of my energies into the work that I want to be producing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a bit of like a, it's okay. I know that the right home will come. And I believe that. Yeah. I believe that all my pieces have that right home. But it's just like kind of softening that, that negative self-talk that's always like, you didn't sell out. You didn't sell out. Oh my goodness. Like to sell out is like not as often and common as people see. No. And it's a bit of an ideal fantasy. And it's something that's it's really achievement. unfair. Yeah. You know, like, it's incredible to sell out, 100%. It's a fantastic feeling, but that is not realistic. It's not an expectation to set on yourself. It's really not fair. I think because there's so much hype that goes around, like, you know, a, a solo show reception and all that, and also it's, like, a full combination of your, like, your work. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, you're showing it to the public. It's, like, this big hurrah sort of thing, and it is an incredible thing to have under your belt to do solo shows, but it's just, like... A lot of beautiful, because like the way that I want to be redirecting my work is actually more on a conceptual level. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like literally explorative and conceptual and experimental. And so then like even thinking the, the whole concept about like selling out a show that's just like so personal yeah. about storytelling and truth telling that maybe a lot of people wouldn't necessarily understand at first, but it's just like, that's not even, it's not even about selling the work. No. It's about seeing whether people connect with it in a way that they would maybe have some other response to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like cultural or about being queer. But, um, I guess when you are, an, you are a commercial artist, you do have this expectation to sell. Mm. That's why you're a commercial artist. Yeah. Um, and that's also how, how you survive. Absolutely. Money. So it's just so like, it's, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But I think it's good if you're going to do solos to also have that work available online as well, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. to reach like broader audiences and everything. You just never know who's going to see your work. Mm-hmm. Like you're so good at sharing your work and I'm trying to get better with, you know, when you go like this with social media, right? You're like yeah. up and down. Yeah, love relationship. It. Like I, sometimes I'm so, so vulnerable and I'm so open and I'm so ready to connect with so many different people that I don't know. And then at the same time, there's been times where I'm just like, I don't even want anyone to look at me. I don't even mm. want anyone to like ask me about my work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I guess like coming back to the whole, the conversation of like selling out a show, I think that that's the narrative that needs to be completely let go. 
Yeah, I agree. Because that really hurts you. It's toxic. And it's like setting the bar so high that you are not satisfied unless you've achieved everything. And also it shows that you're very sales driven. It shows that you only value yourself and your work if it sells. Which is a very unhealthy measure. Yeah, extremely unhealthy. And I think that's what's so like beautiful with your new like conceptual work. It's like what you said before, you know, it is about the process of making the work. Mm -hmm. And if you are genuinely fulfilled through making the work, then you are naturally less attached to the outcome of sales or not, because you're like, I've said what I want to say. I'm proud of myself for making this work. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And I think like that is just so important. And that's like, you know, as such a good way to sort of like measure success, I guess. Totally, totally. What do you, um, like, how do you measure success? Like what's your, what's your opinion? I was just thinking that when you were saying that, I was like, oh man, I used to say this all the time and I still stand by it. But I, I genuinely believe I'm a successful person because I define success as a person of integrity. Yeah. That is my measure of what a successful person is. Mm -hmm. Are they literally living by their values? You know, and like, I believe a person that lives by integrity is a successful person. They're a good person. You know, they literally practice love. You know, being a person of integrity or being authentic to yourself, like being authentic to yourself is like a full embodiment of your soul. You're living by your truth. And I think that's it. That's my definition. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with commercial success. Yeah. That's completely separate. It's totally separate, separate isn't it? And it can become so intertwined when you right. are doing something that's like, you're not like a maker of a product. You're not like a brand or like, I guess you are a brand in some way, but the brand is you, you know, yeah. as an artist. Totally. And it is so hard because you have to find the separation between like self-worth and self-value. They're so intertwined. And then also like how how you see money and sales, like yeah. definitely is such a journey. No, definitely. And I think like as artists, it's one of those things where it's just like, honestly, Kate, have you ever sat with the thought of how much do you actually need to get by? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like actually thought of like if, how much do you actually need to get by? And it's just like, if you can cover your living as in like you got a roof over your head yeah. and you get a, a meal yeah. and you have your water and your bills paid and you got a place to make your art, is that not enough? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, but then like, because of we live in, in this capitalist society, it's like, we want to be that artist that has that, all the things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is also completely fine to have goals and, and to aspire to, to be a great artist. Um, but it's just like, it can be a bit of a slippery slope when you get a taste of mm. commercial success mm. and you do a short sort of show and then you always want another one. That's really, that's where I think that then it can become a problem where it's just like you're holding on to this idealistic fantasy that is um, not real. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's great. There are some artists in the world maybe that can sell out, but you don't know how much of a team they might be behind them, how much funding they might be having behind them, or this nepotism. You don't know that. Yeah. And I think that's the world of social media, isn't it? Like we live in a world that isn't necessarily like showing you the truth. And so mm-hmm. you assume like, oh, this person's doing really well and like, I'm not doing as well as them because we're all guilty of it. Like yeah. I am guilty of it too. And I'm trying now to like, 
present myself in a much more like real way talking about like shit that doesn't go well or like yeah. you know starting this podcast is totally. the drive behind totally. it you know because I yeah. just don't want to feed into like the negativity that comes with comparing yourself to people mm-hmm. that you think are doing really well but you actually just don't know <laughs> you have no idea you have someone no that's idea. Like doing inc- is an incredibly prolific painter you have no idea whether they're like being able to pay rent or not you have no idea no and even if they had if they are like getting financial help you don't know and also it's kind of like got nothing to do with you yeah it's, it's like just acknowledge like you know that everyone's doing their best i yeah. think is like the best kind of mantra to have and do you think like do you ever struggle with like self-doubt or like you're in a yeah 100%. I literally, for the first time in my adult life, gave myself three weeks off over Christmas period. Like mm-hmm. this year, like I literally just passed because it was my brother's wedding and thought that I would spend some quality time with my family in Sydney because I hadn't for like five years. And like, I really lent into that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, normally December, here we go, commercial artist. Normally December would be a year, that time of my year where I'm like pumping, the, pumping the things, but I actually actively took a step back and I was like, my mental health and rest is actually more important right now. I need to do that for myself. And I did. I lent in. I had a great time. Came back, walked in around the studio, and four had a panic attack. I literally walked around and just, like, looked up all these works that I had to do and all this. And I literally <laughs> – I was so hard on myself, but I literally had this moment. It's the full-blown imposter syndrome. Yeah. I was like – like, I fully was beating myself up. Literally, like, two weeks ago. But, what, like, what was it that's causing that? Like, just why? Just mad just... insecurity. And I think because I, for the first time, took time away from my practice. Mm. And coming back, I was, like, so confronted with how much work I had to do. But I knew. It lasted literally, like, less than a day. Because I was, like, gave myself the bitch stuff. And I was, like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Look at what you've done. It's proven. It's literally proven that I have done this, done so many incredible shows, experienced so many incredible things through my art. You are an artist. Everyone is an artist if they listen to that voice. Yeah. But, like, you have gotten to a point in your career where you are an artist. Yeah. And so I stepped out of it, and it was one of those things where I was like, wow, it's pretty scary how that voice can really consume you and tell you that you're actually unworthy. Um, But it's just like, you need to tell that voice to kick it. Mm. And I did. And we all so, have the voice. We all have the voice. But it's just yeah. whether or not you let it talk loudly or not. And at times it does. And then I think that when you work alone, a lot of the time, which yeah. I do, it can get like that. But that's why I talk out loud a lot to myself. Because like, yeah. it helps to just expel that energy outwards. Yeah. Like it's journaling or just talking out loud about it. Because it's just like, I knew that that insecurity that I felt was confronting. It was. Mm-hmm. But it was just like... Yeah, but you're in this artist studios. You have gone through so much in your life to get to this point. And at now, because you're feeling confronted and a little bit overwhelmed, you're going to just be like, oh, my God, I'm a liar. Oh, I'm inauthentic. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. And so true. <laughs> you just, like, have those moments where you're like, fuck. Which is, I, like, who do I think I am right now? Yeah. Yeah, I but get that. it's just like, it's okay to feel those, but it's important to acknowledge their place. Definitely. And it's important to acknowledge that it exists. And then also you have the tools to turn that voice down and be like, bitch, no, go away. Yeah. But that does Stop come being with, like, to I, me. <laughs> yeah. So, excuse me. I think you need to go for a walk and come back. Yeah. <laughs> go away, bitch. I never come back. Really. Um, but I think that like, it's something to, also important to sit with is like the highs 
come just as much as the lows come. Definitely. It's like, it is, like you said, like ebbs and flows up Mm -hmm. and down. Yeah, it is a full roller coaster. What would you say, like, is your biggest struggle? Like, what do you find, like, on a, in a creative sense, like, in terms of, like, running your business and your art practice, like, what is your biggest struggle? I think what I'm going through right now is realizing, like, how I say I'm not scared, but in a way I am because, you know, have you ever wanted something so much it scares you? Mm. Yeah. That's my me and my work. Like, that's how I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when you want something so much, it scares you, and then you realize you need a, you need help for it. Mm. You need help to get there. Mm. I think for me, I've always struggled with asking anyone for help because I've had this thing all my life where I've had to do things on my own, or I felt like if I, had, I was asking someone for help, I would be, like, this, like... Weak, know. yeah. That, and also just, like, inconveniencing someone. Oh, so, yeah, you know, I get that. You feel like you're putting like, someone out. Yeah, but it's because, like, I'm, I guess, like, there's been some moments where I've, like, done some really incredible things and they could have been exceptional if I had just help. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was so resistant on asking for help because I thought that I was, like, going to make it trouble for someone and then everyone be like, you don't think that people don't support you? Like, you don't think that people want to be part of this vision that is so incredible? And also just to say it's okay to let go. And I think that that comes down to my control freak nature, mm. which needs to also just relax a little bit more. Cause it's almost like I'm a very fixed person and I feel like that fixedness has got me to a point, but there's also now time for fluidity and that need that like, I need a lot of fluidity because yeah. these are always very like unpredictable and, and all that. But I'm like, so staunchly, this is it. That's how it's going to be. But then like, that's not how life works. No, especially a creative life. It couldn't be more unstable in a way. You're like, every day looks different. Every week is different. My bank account's different all the time. Like, don't know when the next event is or like, you know, there's just so much like instability, I think. So much. But like, I will say like, I'm strangely comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you have to be actually outwardly be okay. A hundred percent. Being like, when I talk about insecurity, that's like security, insecurity about myself. Like insecurity as a whole, though. Yes. Like about like like life, like in terms of like paying bills, yeah, body work, like that is just like part of the whole process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being un like unstable is just like part of it, and that's the same with me as well. Like I moved here with very little money. I moved here with a thousand pounds, and mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do. You know, but I think because of that, you like become a bit more desensitized to risk because you're like well it's all worked out you like my life has worked out thus far with the very little that I have and now have built so much from that so you I think it's like perspective isn't it like you realize oh okay I don't need to have all of these things in order to be like stable like I can just trust that it will work and figure it out and yeah it's just that's just so important to be stable I get like a part-time job somewhere but that's also gonna then I think that's gonna take me away from like my art mm. I don't like all I want to do is always be here mm-hmm. I always want to be around my art I always want to be looking at it I always want to be thinking about it I think about it all the time yeah you know like and it's just like something that I don't think will ever go away it's like when I really sit with why I'm here on this planet this to be an artist I will never be anything else 
in terms of like job or career wise, like when you shift your attitude from it being a job to a career, yeah, things do change. Yeah. Because this is my livelihood. I stand by that. Mm. You know. And how do you find like self-motivation? So obviously that's a big one with making art and also, yeah, like we have to create our own schedules. So like oh, do yeah. you ever struggle with motivation or Yeah, I'm like a really disciplined person. Like I don't know. I feel like that may be like a cultural thing, but also like I think with my art, I'm, I am so committed to it and I am full-time and like I had like this crazy Excel spreadsheet in Google Google Docs that has got five years worth of my whole life from the last, like since the inception of me becoming an artist because I needed this customized planner. <laughs> Color-coded. Got okay, so you're naturally kind of like organized like that? I am very organized. And oh, I my God, like I love that. Mood. Yeah, if I showed it to you, you'd freak out and be like, oh. <laughs> so, like, she loves I a spreadsheet. Live, I love a spreadsheet. But yeah, I feel like with my, my work schedules daily, I also have like checklists like on my on my phone that I add to like daily or all the things that I need to get done and I just tick them off as I do them. And like mm. even if it means like watering the plants, that's a thing on the list because yeah. it makes me feel good and like, it's like a ritualistic thing or journaling, mm-hmm. ritualistic. It's just like it's hard at times though when like I've been sitting with this whole thing of like, I'm not a writer. I'm a poet, but I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I don't write essays anymore. Yeah. And, like, I'm in the middle of, like, applying for grants and funding and stuff for things, for arts residencies in the next year or two. And that calls for a different part of my brain that has gone to sleep for a really, really long time. And calling for the discipline to do it is, like, so after this, I'm going to the library for, like, five hours to try and do something like work because I know that, like, you know, when like being creative, this is a space for creativity. Mm-hmm. Like, but I find it very like I can't be in that headspace to write an analysis on art. It, I think it must be a different side of the brain. It must. It be. has to be. I am so intuitive. So much. Like yeah. I am very intuitive and like expressive and like all that when it comes to. And art. you're great with words, and you're very poetic. Like you write little like bits of poem, and you write on the back of your paintings and stuff. And they're very like you. You have an epic vocab, but it's just interesting that like putting that into an essay is just do you find it jarring yeah that's why i'm struggling that's why yeah. like that's why i'm saying like we with my discipline i'm feeling feelings of like i know what works for me which is a camera so if you were to be in an environment where everyone is being studious so like library, a library yeah that will encourage you to also be like that but yeah. then i've been feeling so resistant to just doing the words because then i'm like oh my golly, like you guys don't, the assessors don't know me. I have to write in a certain language. It's very complex mm. in that way. I wish I could just talk from one first person and just like tell you. Like, yeah, yeah, because that's no, not, it's not the criteria. And how do you approach then talking and writing about your work? Because that is a big one where like, work making art is so visual and it's such a feeling based thing but then suddenly like you know you have to like write up about your work and that's personally something that I sometimes really struggle with crossing the line between visual and written and finding the right way trying in your head you know what you want to say but then you've got to find the right way to say it written down mm-hmm. do you struggle with that um I do sometimes it depends on the formalities of it if it's like an artist statement I'm okay with that yeah I'm totally okay with that but when it's in a more formal context, I really struggle. And that's why, like I was saying before, it's like knowing when to ask for help. So I've called upon my angel writers in my community to help me like edit and help with like this big application I'm doing. But 
they were like, all to me, Brissy, you're a great writer. You just got to do it. And then I'm just like in my brain being like, why can't I just do it? I don't want to do it. Oh my God. And so it's a struggle, but I know I can. And it's just like, there's a, you know, when you feel like you're back in art school or whatever it is, and you're procrastinating, like one on one, you're getting everybody thinking out of the book. I'm like, how to procrastinate. And yeah. This is not you. You know, it's like, I, I just feel like managing my time is, I'm very good at it. But suddenly this is kind of derailing me a little bit. So it's like interesting. Mm. And I think it's because this thing is for something incredibly important to me. And it's incredibly scary. And I'm yeah. like, the barrier is you, you know? And yeah. now it is. And so it's just like, days are passing. You got to get this in for the deadline. And you're just like, yeah. Procrastination. Yeah. Yeah. It's very real. I, I do and I don't normally get that. I do with only, only ever with things that I feel afraid of doing or I don't want to do it. And then you push it away and you push it away and you push it. And then you do it and you're like, oh, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Story of my life with certain things. I'm like, no, 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 it's too, I can't do it, can't do it. And then you're like, oh, I, I put myself through so much struggle mm. and judged myself for like avoiding it for ages. Mm. And then you do it and you're like, oh, like. And once you do that now, once you've done the proposal, like every other proposal after that, I'm sure will feel easier. Totally. And way so I think less- this is like the mothership, you yeah. know, and like you're really shooting your shot and like shooted your shot a few times at opportunities and you didn't quite get them, but that was okay. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, I find like for me, the thing that I have built a lot of over the last few years is resilience. And it's like the narrative I now have when I don't get something that I wanted, it just is literally like equivalent to water running off a duck's back. I'm just like, it's okay. It's not for me right now. Yeah. I'm not taking it to that extent of like real personal, like beating myself up. Like you didn't do your best. It's like, I did what I could. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I'm now, I guess, hitting a point where I'm like, this is not the end all be all. Nothing is that. Okay. But it's also just like, if you say that you want to put your best foot forward, then why are you doing that? So I've been asking that myself that question. So I'm just saying, okay. It's okay that you feel uncomfortable, but it's just like, what are you going to do about it? Because like, you can't, you know, you can't. Yeah. And on, and like, without feeling uncomfortable, you can't grow. Like that is the key recipe mm-hmm. for growing and sitting with like this podcast, prime example, I had so much discomfort for ages and didn't do it for ages because yeah. it felt so scary to me. And then you do it and you're like, oh, it really wasn't that bad. But it's just like overcoming something that you feel uncomfortable about or that you feel maybe like you wouldn't be as good at or you don't know those. Like, yeah. It's all to do with like, like this prescribed thing of being like, yep. And I actually, it's funny because I always, I've said this before and a lot of my people know this about me. It's like, um, Marissa won't do it if she knows that she's not the best at it. Mm. And I have to sit with that because I'm like, that's not okay. Because yeah. I'm just like, you say shoe shot, shoe shot. You know, stick by that. Like, just try. Is failure something that you've encountered a lot on your journey so far? And yeah. like, what's your relationship to it? Yeah. Speaking of like, be, trying to be the best at everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So a little story for you. Like, and I, I only got, I thought about it earlier today where I was like, wow, that was actually a year ago almost. I, I, got, I got invited to do a group show at one of the best galleries in Australia based here in Melbourne mm-hmm. for International Women's Day. I was told and be- taught to believe that I was going to do incredibly well. Right. And they wanted my biggest pieces. They wanted to know how big I could go. And I said, if this is my opportunity 
to be picked up potentially by one of the best galleries in Australia. I'm going to go big or go home. Mm-hmm. I went home. <laughs> um, uh, what happened? My most my large artworks were virtually displayed down in the basement near the toilets. Oh my god! Pretty heartbreaking. None of my pieces sold. How many did you make? Six. Six. All worth Huge investment. Over 10 grand. Yeah. So I did that because that was what was asked of me. Even though I feel like giving a variation, a varied body of work would probably be more of what I would be naturally drawn to do. And was there an intuitive moment where you were like, something doesn't feel right? I was already this. feeling very fearful anyway because I was so intimidated by the space. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I was like, about a year ago, I was grappling with this whole scope of, do I actually want to be affiliated with this, that, that world? Because I'm a very grassroots person. Mm. That doesn't necessarily mean that's where I want to be all the time though, you know, like all that. But, um, what that brought up for me was I was so unwell mentally for about two months after that because Mm. I was taught to believe that I had a seat at the table that I always wanted to be sat at. But when I sat there, no one saw me. And that was a lot to take in when, and when I like thought that that was my only chance. But then what that taught me was that doesn't just, that just does not align with me. That is what I believe is, that's exactly what that is. It doesn't align with me. That's okay. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're my enemy. Do you know what I mean? They gave me an opportunity. It didn't work out. That's okay. And it doesn't make you any less of an artist or a person. And also wasn't really like the way I felt producing these works was I was like an, a machine. Yeah. And it was awful. Right. You know, it wasn't like I felt proud that I could produce such a big body of work in the time, but that wasn't why I'm an artist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it didn't, there was a bit of a disconnect already anyway. But, um, I don't know if you could even consider that a failure. I feel like I learned so much from that. And like, even when you define failure and stuff, it's like, I've been disappointed and let down so many times, but at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing I got from that was I am a resilient person. Yeah. I have a lot of grit. There is no one that's going to define me unless it's myself. And it's just like, I think I have to sit with this like thing of just being like, I didn't, maybe I didn't want to sit at the table anyway. I'd rather make my own table Mm. and tell you that people can, of all walks of life, can sit at my table. You don't even need a prerequisite to sit at my table. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. It's such an, it's just such a crazy world, isn't it? Like it's so, it's so hard with the, with art, like to do, doing what you want, but then also, what you think you want, who you think you want to be with in terms of like galleries or these people that you look up to often, like it's rose tinted glasses. It is a hundred percent rose tinted glasses, babe. Yeah. Like, honestly, I've even, I have heard about instances where it's just like suddenly like they can't work on projects that are really important to them because of their agreement with the galleries that they're working with or that sort of thing. And I'm like, damn. Yeah. That's something to sit with. Yeah. You know, I guess right now I do have, a real sense of agency. Yeah. Like I really have like freedom. And where has that come from? Like, where, how do you think that that's been developed over the years? Like, has that got stronger over the years? 100%. And what, like, why? I think because I realized how lucky I was. Yeah. You know, like I thought that me moving to Melbourne, like five years ago, I was going to get picked up by a gallery. I was going to do that thing, live here forever. Now I'm just like, 
there's so much out there to see and to mm. feel and to do. And it's like, I don't want to be tethered to anything. Not that I would necessarily tethered if I was commercially represented, but more just along the lines of just like, but I can say whatever it is I can say and not have any potential repercussions of that outside of my own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because then like, once you, you're like working with other people that like, that says something about you, you working with a particular person. Yeah. Whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it shows what your values are or your morals are who like from an outsider's perspective, they're looking at who you're working with. And that says a lot about who you are like as an artist, I think. Yeah. If yeah. You- and it's not like my CV, like if you looked at my CV, it's like, I'm proud of everything that's on that CV, regardless of how that actual show or that job or that whatever it is, how that ended up. Mm-hmm. I'm still grateful that that happened. Yeah. Because it's a learning process and every time you learn something from it, whether it's a good or a bad experience, actually, like, often you learn more from negative experiences than you do positive ones. And And, like, I just want to touch base as well quickly before about, like, when we're talking about, like, when we sell out. I've said this because I have a lot of friends in the creative community where it's like, yeah, but even if you sold out, you would have beaten yourself up because then you would have been like, oh, I could have produced more work. So true. So true. It is actually so true because your brain would be been, like, oh, because even more. like when there's been moments where I was like there and I'm like, oh, if I had just done another one, I could have made an extra. That is yeah, not okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's not okay. Sit with gratitude. Like literally, like well done, but also like, and this is what I would define an unsuccessful person is, is someone that's greedy. Yes. <laughs> and, or, or you're in, yeah, you're in it for the wrong reasons, you know? Yeah. For reasons that aren't necessarily like, that's, it's not like, you know, I don't know. Some people, their, their motive is only to make money. But I think that as an artist, like true and true as a romantic and all that, it's really not about the money. No. Like I've been struggling sometimes even too, where in the past I've like funded some big projects. And then, like, was absolutely mortified when it didn't go well. And people were just like, Marissa, it is business. And I'm like, yeah. Really trying to, really yeah. trying to remind myself Yeah, yeah, yeah. One. Because it's like, I care so much about the stories being shared and all that sort of thing. And just like, but then, like, people... And it is personal. Yeah, like, it's it is personal. personal. So it's yeah. like, well, what is business? Like, you know, just really checking it yourself. Yeah. And what would you say are your biggest lessons that you know now? And, I mean... We all wish we would have known things in the past, but like, what are your main lessons now that you've learned along the journey? Oh my goodness. I feel like I've learned so, so much, but it was like, I feel like the biggest thing I came back to, even from going to Kofa, like at art school and everything, and I still carry this now with me, is that you are your greatest tool. Mm. If you really wanted something, you would show up for it. I feel like I've never been someone that hasn't, I feel like even when I, I I let myself down in moments of like sadness or like I wasn't doing very well, I still I still trusted in myself and and the universe. Like I knew that I was going to be seen and I knew I was going to be rewarded. It was the work that I was doing was honest. Mm. And I think that if I was to always be able to hold space and platform for like marginalized peoples, that I'm going to do it. And have you ever thought about giving up? Like Never. in those times? No. Never. Not even when I was like all alone in New York and like having a full meltdown and stuff. I never thought about giving up. I just felt like it was a surreal bit of a mild nightmare. But at the end of the day, I was still a very privileged position. And I sat with like this whole thing of being like, yeah, but you're the artist. People are here to meet you. Are you not going to show up, man? Mm, so you're just going to give up because yeah, it didn't go well. Like, no. Yeah. And things are never going to go exactly the way you expected to. Like, Something that I sit with is like, 
because it was like maybe 13 years. Yeah, it was 13, it was my mum's 13 year anniversary since she passed away, like the other week. Mm. And I just like, you know, when you, when you look, measure time like that, I just kind of was like, it's so wild to sit with like, you know, how we heal and how we move on with our lives. And art has saved my life. Yeah. Like I'm never going to give up on art. Like that's a, that's like absolute, you know. It's just a non-negotiable. It's just like part of like saying, I'm going to quit my personality. Like you just, <laughs> yeah, just can't. Like, I need, I need art just as much as I need food and water and connection. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's like, it's my fuel. I think about it constantly. And I think that that is like a beautiful summation, I guess, of like what it is to be an artist is like, if you're thinking about it, you think about your creativity, you're thinking about what you're going to make, you're thinking about like who you want it to be reaching. You're an artist. Hmm. And an artist can be in, in such broad yeah, spectrum. Like whether it be musically, physically, like so many things. Yeah. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. This has been such an incredible conversation. Ooh. And <laughs> I just love talking to you. I'm always been so open. <laughs> and I'm sure your mom is looking down on you. And she she's is, I so think. proud I think, of yeah. the person that you are. Thank you, babe. Yeah, I've been feeling like even the other week when it was on her anniversary, like I normally feel really sad on those days, but we went to this beautiful beach called Point Addis. It was so beautiful and that I was crying, right? Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I wish she was here to see all this. And then I had to talk and say to myself, yeah, but she is because she sees everything that you see. She feels everything that you feel. And so I think for me, like the thing that motivates me to keep on going is is, is her spirit, her mm. legacy. And I think that that's like the most important thing in terms of like my practice is like I'm never going to stop. Yeah, you carry her strength. I really do. Yeah. Well, well she carries me. Yeah. <laughs> she pushes yeah. me she nags she me she pushes you on. I'm like oh alright mom she comes behind my ears tells me to paint I'm like oh, <laughs> oh amazing you've been such a perfect guest thank you so much Yay. love I'm so you okay. love you too thank you so much for tuning in I would be so grateful if you could rate and share this podcast it really helps us build the platform and follow along for further content at nitty gritty podcast on Instagram Thank you.